1: Before we get this episode started, I want to give a huge thank you to our sponsor, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place.
2: Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And you know the best part of it is, Griff? I do, Will. Anchor
1: is totally free so make sure you head to the app store or google play download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started
2: hey guys welcome back to inside the five it's will it's Bob. it's griff and this episode we got a little nfl news some mlb in the sweet 16. what do we say let's do it let's go
1: going on everybody welcome back we're starting with some big news out of the nfl that is a trade between the chiefs and the dolphins it's tyree kill going to miami i think was there a pick on that side too um no no, no. tyree no. going to miami chiefs get the 29th pick the 50th pick two fourth round picks including one this year and then one next year and then a six round pick next year Big deal. I guess we'll start it off with Will. First off, Will, it looks like what you've been predicting might be coming be, becoming true. So
2: this is your first right take, Will. So congrats. I'll let you start <laughs> us off. Uh, thank you. Um, I've never been more happy to be right on this take because of how much I actually hate the Chiefs. Um, they're just dumb for pay- paying Patrick Mahomes that much money. I said it when it happened. I was like, they're just—they're gonna run out of options. They're not gonna be able to sign people. Uh, they have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey both coming up on contract years. Obviously, Tyree Kill being gone now. I said that then that they would be coming up when it's time to make those moves. Uh, they lost in the Super Bowl and they lost in the uh, divisional, right? Or no, they won. No, they lost in the AFC Championship. My bad. AFC Championship yeah, yeah. Uh, this past year. So their so-called dynasty is crumbling, even though it's not even a dynasty.
3: I think it's hilarious because I will always think about this one guy who I got into it with in a Twitter comment section, like a Chiefs fan, who always would say the Patriots dynasty is over and the Chiefs are going to be the new dynasty. There will never be another Patriots dynasty. I'm sorry, but there is not going to be one quarterback to win six Super Bowls with one team ever again. I'm I'm confident in that statement, and now the Chiefs' entire organization is going to start to crumble because. I think Travis Kelsey's up for contract next year. They're already losing defensive Mm -hmm. pieces. Like Tyron Matthew was the heart and soul of that defense left on his own option. And the Chiefs offered Tyree Hill close to be the highest paid NFL or the highest receiver in NFL history and he declined it. So what is that saying about the Chiefs organization as a whole? Like People don't want to go there just because of... Maybe it's the expectations. Maybe it's the failed hype that they continue to live up to. But if I'm a chief fan, I'm kind of worried about the future of the organization because all the money that they have is just going to go to Mahomes.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly what I've been thinking throughout the whole thing. The reason that Tyree kill is not a uh, chief anymore is because of the fact that he couldn't be the highest paid receiver um, in the league and in league history. Um, and, and the, in the biggest reason, like you're paying your whole salary like, all, all your cap is going to Patrick Mahomes. Like, you're paying him, what, like, $500 million? Like, he could have taken a little bit off that, and, and that's a big thing we were talking about, Will, was um, if you didn't give Patrick Mahomes um, that much money because you don't have to, then you're going to be able to have some weapons around him. It's the fact that you're paying the man the most by far anyone's ever gotten paid. I mean, I get it. Like, he honestly... He honestly deserves it, but it, it should be impossible for him to get that right now just because of the state of cap room and, and all those other things. You can't afford to pay Tyree Kill those numbers because all the all that money is going to one player. And Travis Kelsey, not only is he up for contract, I want to say he's 31, 32 years old, and he's not a type of player that's going to play till he's 40. I mean, at least I don't think so. Um, or at least be at that level until he's 40. He's not he's not Gronk. So there's a lot of issues on this Chiefs team. We knew the Chiefs defense was not that good last year. Um, They did just recently sign Juju Smith-Schuster, making him the wide receiver one, I guess. So he's I don't know how he's going to live up to that. I was excited when Juju signed with the Chiefs because I was like, that takes a bit lesser of a role, which I think he'll succeed very well in, just like when he was with uh, Antonio Brown. And I I mean, this wide receiver core, with this wide receiver core, with um, with the Chiefs is, I mean, not that good now. Juju Smith-Schuster at the one. Miko Hardman was listed at the two, and then the third, Josh Gordon, maybe, because he's on roster. He might be the wide receiver three. Well, it's if I'm Patrick Mahomes,
3: I'm kind of, I mean, I'm not kind of, I'm very concerned because think of how many big plays have happened just off of a dump pass to Tyreek Hill. A major one that sticks out to me is in the divisional round against Buffalo with a minute left in the game. They literally dumped it to Tyreek. He goes 80 yards up the side, like, goes literally around oh. everyone, holds a piece out of the 20-yard yes. line and scores. They do not have as much of an explosive offense as they did in the past, and it's going to be hard if I'm past Mahomes to kind of regenerate that with me hardman being your fastest receiver i mean he obviously he is a speed demon but he's not tyree kill he's not he does not as good field, he doesn't have as good as field, uh, field awareness i mean no one really does so you can't replicate what he brings to an offense he's probably the most explosive player in the nfl and to lose that and if i'm like i'm patching Mahomes, i mean like what the hell like we got to figure out
2: we got to bring somebody else aboard we can't just stop this offense right now this is just hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> this is the biggest. This is the biggest test for Patrick Mahomes in a long time. Ever. Long time. Like this Ever. is his biggest test. And like, I, to be fair, I'm not expecting much. I'm in fact expecting not a great season at all. He's not gonna be able to do anything. A lot of this hype that Patrick Mahomes has is gonna be central around who how how lucky he has been over his career, with the weapons that he is that he has. Travis Kelsey will be the guy who saves him year in and year out, as always. But he also had Tyree Kill to carry a lot of the load on the offense. So, like, he still has to go out there and make a play. And I'm not saying Juju and Mecole are bad, but, like, we saw Juju at wide receiver one with Pittsburgh after A.B. left. That didn't look too great. I don't see that changing. No, I don't don't see that changing at all. Travis Kelsey is 32. He probably has three Mm
3: -hmm. solid years left. You know, maybe even two. If he has one injury, look at Gronk. Gronk and Travis Travis Kelsey are the same age, but Gronk's entire career path has been derailed by injuries. But Travis Kelsey, he's been fortunate enough not really to have many sidelining injuries. But who knows? He has a bad injury. He's done. And then what do the Chiefs do then? Mahomes doesn't have any security blankets and people who know how to run their offense like he does.
1: So, yeah, I'm, it, it, I'm very concerned right it, now for the Chiefs, which is awful. It's going to... Yeah, it, it's a good thing, um, but just the fact that you lose someone like Tyreek Hill, who is one of the most valuable players on your team, top three, I would say, on that team, just because of what he does when the ball is in his hands, he's he's pretty much unstoppable. Like He can just swerve around people. He doesn't have to juke people. He can outrun you if you're 10 yards ahead of him already. Like He is truly a great player, and I don't think we've gotten into – any talk about the Dolphins? We we've, we've only been talking about, about the Chiefs. So I I want to I want to move over a bit to the to the Fins. This is a great pickup for them. Tua now has a guy that Tua can kind of stretch out his arm and, and even be safe for those little dump downs like the Chiefs used Tyree Kill for. Tua like he's been kind of working off. Um, Devonta Parker, and they just got Waddle last year. Waddle's been a great receiver. He's going to be an awesome wide receiver, too, next to Tyree And I think Waddle is a guy that could transform into a wide receiver one in the future. So pretty much what I'm thinking is going to happen is maybe even this year because Waddle had an awesome rookie year, like a very underrated rookie year just because of the year that Jamar Chase had. Waddle was, I mean, not right behind him, but he was behind him, not too far away. Um, so I keep it in this thing. Waddle, like Waddle and Tyree Kill, it's gonna be like C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper last year, where there's two wide receiver ones on the team. I really think that's what it's gonna be like. That's gonna be awesome. It's gonna help Tua out a lot. It's gonna be a real test for Tua as well. If if he is any good, any good at all, he will thrive in this offense because you have Mike Gesicki at tight end, who is a great tight end. You have two amazing wide receivers. You just signed Chase Edmonds to be your lead back, who actually had a very good year in Arizona last year um, in that little dual-headed role with James Conner. This offense shaped up to be something that, that could be dangerous if Tua can just put... One or two more things together. I think Tua's going to have a very good year. I think the Dolphins are going to have a very good year. And I think they're going to be fighting for that two seed in the AFC East with the New England Patriots. I don't know how. I mean, well, I guess I'll ask you. How, 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 does, how Do you agree with that? Like, I think the Dolphins can really fight for that two seed against the Pats and get into the playoffs next year.
2: I mean, I agree. I think they're the next, like, team up. I mean, the competition and the And that division now has gone up now that there's like three solid teams. I mean, like, I guess if things were to plan out the right way, Tua is good, their offense is good, their defense is good, and they play the way they should be playing, I don't see why not. I mean, sure. It's as a Patriots fan, obviously, you don't want to
3: see the best player at a position go to your rival. However, it's all on Tua, now. They revamped their offensive line. They got a really good fullback in Alec Ingold, who, which is a very underrated signing for the Dolphins. They got yeah, Raheem most Mostert. You, you bring back all the important pieces in your offense. It's all up to Tua. If Tua can't perform, expect to see Teddy Bridgewater step into that starting role by like week five. Because
0: yeah, you because... cannot
3: fall behind in this division, especially with how the Bills are shaped to kind of win the division and how the Patriots are always going to be sneaking in. So if you're the Dolphins and Tua isn't really performing up to standard, expect him to be on the bench by weeks like three, four, five.
1: No, no, exactly. And that's the thing. This is Tua's, what, third year now? He's entering year three. This is a big year for Tua because he's good and he's showing flashes. But the the roster they have around him, and, and we've been talking about their offense, but their defense is good too. Their defense is very solid. They went on a huge run last year, and um, they they can really put things together to make the playoffs this year. So if Tua is the person that's hurting them, Teddy Bridgewater is the perfect guy to step in and, and take over a situation and do enough. Teddy, like, he's not going to wow you or anything, but Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. And if, if Tua is going to keep making these bad mistakes – Teddy B is not a bad option. And I think that if he steps in early enough, if Tua is not performing well, then, then they can still make a run at it. And Teddy B can be a playoff quarterback again. But who knows what will happen to Tua in the future of Tua if that does happen. I think the Dolphins would take a very big risk with that because uh, Tua could really could really put it together and be a great quarterback. And if he doesn't this year and they switch over to Teddy B for the rest of the year, I don't know if they should expect Tua to be their starting quarterback the year after that, Um, just based off the disrespect. This is his last last chance to really act. I mean, if he can't succeed
3: with this offense, he will never succeed. Because last episode we were talking about how guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield are really on the hot seat to be a starting quarterback because neither one of those guys is guaranteed a job right now, and they're pretty good starting quarterbacks in the league. So now you see Tua to struggle with probably a top five receiving core, one of the more talented rosters in the NFL, in my opinion. Who is he going to succeed with? What do you need to put around him to be good? Because everyone always talks about fit and this and that. I don't know what it would take for Tua to to get another starting job in the league if he cannot succeed with this. Because, I mean, this is my take on this. The Dolphins have a better offense right now than the Chiefs do.
0: Yeah. Like receivers, yep, they do.
3: one through three, four, because the Dolphins signed Cedric Wilson, too. They have yep. four solid receivers. Mike Gusecki is a really good tight end. But yep. he is one of the better backs in the NFL when healthy. And you still have – who's their backup running back now? Chase Edmonds. Um, yeah, you have Edmonds, who – Exceeded a lot of expectations last year. Perfect running back out of the backfield. There's, and they got Teron Armstead, their offensive. Line. There's no excuse for the uh, Dolphins not to do well. And if they don't, two is gone. Two and uh, they bring back an offensive minded, like, just to pile on top of it, their offensive minded head coach of Mike McDaniel. This offense should put up like 28 to 35 points a game.
1: <laughs> I should have I known once I saw Mike Mike McDaniel for the first time, that out of nowhere a, a nasty team was going to be created because he's from that McVeigh line that w- wherever people go, they create an amazing team out of nowhere. It's just like, yeah. but we caught it this time with the Dolphins. We caught it in the offseason. We already know they're going to be legit, and I bet he does a great job as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and I bet he could fix Tua. And, and not that Tua really needs fixing, but – we're almost getting to the point where we're gonna have to start saying that. I like this prediction that we're making. I really think the the Dolphins are good. They do have a very talented offense. Um, they have a decent defense as well. Like they have, they have the pieces to make a little run. Now I don't think they're at Bills level yet. Just just based. The only reason I say that is they have a lot of skill, right? But how are they gonna put this all together? Especially say Teddy Bridgewater starts. No matter what, this is a new offense. So you're implementing a new offense. That's not going to be easy to adjust to. And then you have a lot of – Tua is going to be throwing the ball to a lot of different people that he hasn't been throwing the ball to. So depending on how that meshes as well, if it does mesh right away, I could see them at a Bills level. I could see them um, maybe competing up there for the one seed in the East in an automatic playoff bid. Um, But if not, I think this is a team that could finish second in the AFC East. And still not make the playoffs just due to the strength of other divisions. Um, maybe sneak in as a seven seed. And I really just think this year is going to be a fight. Like I, I don't mean to disrespect the Patriots at all, but I think the Patriots are we're locked into the into the into the two seed until I saw this whole Dolphin stuff go down and see how good they are. I think that both of these teams are fighting for the seventh seed in the playoffs because I think that AFC West is going to get two. Uh, wild cards. So yeah, I, I think it's going to yeah. come down to those two teams. It's going to be fun to watch throughout the whole season. You know, it's
3: hard to really say how... I mean, hypothetically, we're saying that the Dolphins' off- offense is this explosive and everything. That's if everyone meshes well together. What if in preseason exactly. in, in um, like the summer camp and all that, what if the receivers don't mesh well together? What if Tua can't give them the ball? Because obviously Waddle is extremely fast and Tyreek's even faster. What if Tua can't get them the ball or it doesn't work in the sense that what McDaniel wants in the offense is not what the receivers are bringing to the table. And what if there's a lot of question marks around it. If this offense can't click and I don't really know what direction they can go because we've seen in the past that the Dolphins bring in a lot of good talent, pay them well, and it doesn't pan out like, I just that's kind of a history of the past, but like Reggie Bush is an example, Brandon Marshall and is an example. I mean, Jarvis Landry was there. There's a lot of players that have gone like come and gone through that organization, and it hasn't worked. So I, I mean, I don't want to say I'm rooting for the Dolphins to do well, but if this offense works out, it will probably be the most fun offense to watch in the league.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they're, and they're nice and young as well. Um, but I think we should uh, move on. Next little topic we got. Um, Malcolm Butler, returning to the Patriots, a Patriots legend. Uh two one. year nine mil. Is it is it is it fully guaranteed? No, I don't think so. I think it's incentive based as well. Yeah, there's no there incentive. Be because to be honest, to be honest, I mean you guys made me transition. I think you were waiting for me to say it, so I actually had to say something about it. So I guess I'll just say it. Malcolm Butler, he had a pick. That's cool. Like he he did win you guys a Super Bowl, he saved your Super Bowl. Um, how old is he? He's born in 90, so he's 32 years old. Yeah, he's 32. Yeah. Quick math, by the way. I'm getting better at math. Um, he, He's 32 years old. He's That's old in cornerback, like for cornerbacks. He's slow. Two years, nine mil is a good deal for him. I think he'll be good, but don't expect him to wow you. And, and yeah. I'm saying this as... Not from, like, a bias of, like, I hate Malcolm Butler, and, and I know I've been on record saying I never thought he was good in the first place, and I thought he only got the Pro Bowl the year after he caught that pick just because he got that pick. Um, I don't even think he was good that year. But straight up, it's a decent signing. I expect him to be cornerback two at most. At I think most he's a corner for you guys. Three. I just don't know who else you're going to have.
3: So as of right now, I think he's a corner three with – Jonathan Jones being cornerback one, Jalen Mills being yeah. two, and then... Um, oh, yeah. I forgot three. about Mills. So, I mean, am I interested to see... How That's Butler a solid does? corner three. Yeah, I think he's a, a corner three at best, and it fits with our mm-hmm. defense. He knows the system. Bill knows him. They both know their strengths, weaknesses. So, if there's any coach to kind of bring the best out of a uh, defensive player, it's Bill Belichick. So... I also really wouldn't be surprised if Malcolm Butler gets cut in training camp. So, a dream scenario for me right now is that the Patriots bring back Stephon Gilmore. But I doubt that happens. Gilmore is younger than Malcolm Butler, which a lot of people don't realize. But, yeah, I mean, corner three at best, it helps depth. We were really weak at the cornerback position last year, depth-wise. We got really exposed in the playoff game against Buffalo. We had, like, three, four corners on the roster. And really slow. I mean, Malcolm Butler is technically a man-to-man corner who I kind of feel a little more comfortable on a smaller, shifty receiver than a guy like Joe Juan Williams. So I, I'm okay with the signing, especially for what they signed him for. I think it's mostly incentive-based.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think it's one of like those signings that like the Pats have, where like it's kind of like a testing one, where they're like, let's see what he can do we bring him back. Let's see how he is in training camp. Let's play around with this idea of having Malcolm baller back on the pats. Um, I feel like like if he ends up staying, let's say, like hypothetically, he doesn't get cut in training camp be stage for the year. I feel like he's a decent piece to have just as a cornerback three or someone to come in, especially if we need more like we need more depth there. So like he's not like an awful person to have there.
1: yeah, he's he's not bad at all. Um, he's a solid corner three. He's getting up there in age, so. I, I'm, I know for a fact he's lost a separate two because even when he was with the Titans, he wasn't really that solid when Vrabel tried to bring him in. He he actually, he had a few games with the Titans where I think he caught like two picks that season and it was late in the season um, where he, he came in. And then after that, he really hasn't been anything. Was he on a roster at all last year? No, but
3: his last, you know, no, he was on the Cardinals, but then he retired for a brief stint, I thought.
0: And and now he's coming back.
3: retired, but I I could be totally wrong, but his last year where he he played was in 2020, which he had four interceptions in
1: 100 tackles, which is pretty good for a corner. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's that's not too bad at all. So, I mean, who knows what he could step into um, for a role for the Pats for maybe a year, maybe he stays both years. Um, but moving on to a little bit of baseball, Trevor Story, first off, still happy he's a Red Sox. He got introduced today, as in Wednesday. This episode's coming out on Friday. But he got introduced on Wednesday. I was watching the spring training game. He didn't play, but he was in the dugout. First off, great sign. Just get, There's nothing like being in the dugout, getting to know the boys, you know? So like that was a great moment just to see him in there. He was probably talking to all the boys in the dugout. Most of our starters were playing today, too. Uh, we took our first loss of spring training. But um, Trevor Story says he feels comfortable at second base, which is great news. He also had high praise for Xander Bogarts in, in respect to Xander's decision that he wanted to stay at shortstop, which, first off, like how does that make you feel, Stav? Like, are we going to click right away just like that?
3: Yes, I think the fact that there's no controversy really at any position and everyone's willing to sacrifice, I mean, kind of besides Xander, but, um, yeah, Royal was stated to say he will move anywhere to play and to see a lot of guys want to move and actually put the team first is a really good sign because we're seeing a lot of controversy around the Yankees right now with Aaron judge and how they're really on, not really on great terms when it comes to the arbitration talks and, I mean, if I'm a Red Sox fan right now, I'm happy. I think I was breaking it down before just kind of mentally. Our starting rotation, I mean, Greg, you wrote an article, a great article about this too, with excellent tables. But our starting rotation when Chris Sale hey, goes back, yeah, huge table well, guy. Chris Sale is going to be the ace. Then the <laughs> Pavetta, Calc, and either Waka or Rich Hill. And I mean, we could run a six man rotation if necessary, but one of those guys moving to the bullpen makes our bullpen so much more deadly, which I think it would be Waka. But and then off the, out of the bullpen we got Whitlock, Barnes, either Walker or Hill, Diekman, um, Matt Schrock. We have a lot of pieces. Like that was something last year that we really didn't have was depth in the bullpen. If you have a lot of guys who you're comfortable bringing in in the fifth, sixth innings, if a starter can't go long, that's a great. That's a good sign for a great team to have someone you're comfortable in stepping in in one of these important games.
2: I mean, like off the bat, like I agree. I think one of the more common themes of last year, we'd be at the games and we'd see someone running in from the bullpen and we'd all just hand right on the forehead yeah, and we'd be cool. like, we're ready for a long one. Really? Yeah. Like we'd be like, Oh boy, <laughs> here we go. And then like, we'd get surprised. Yeah, like here, here comes Hirokazu like, we Sawamura uh, in the third inning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we, we were just like, Oh boy, here we go. So like, I don't really have like one of those yet. I guarantee you they will be because it's the Red Sox. So like <laughs> planning on having one of those guys for sure. But like, as of right now, I'm happy with everything.
1: Yeah, so um, the to talk a little bit more about the pitching, I know Stob covered it pretty well. Um, but I did have Rich Hill and, and Michael Wacco. Obviously, I, I made this article, by the way, read the article, inside the net. You can check out all their blog posts, all our podcasts, all our podcasts on that and all that fun stuff. But um, I did a... Five man rotation as if Chris Sale is not pitching, um, which would include Evaldi at the one, then Pavetta, Hauk, Hill, and Michael Walker. Um, I think that word on, like, word from what I've been seeing through other posts and all of that is that Rich Hill would be our fifth starter when Sale comes back and we'd run a five man. Um, Another name I heard is maybe making Garrett Whitlock a starter which I probably would rather have him out of the bullpen, especially if we need a long guy out of the bullpen. Whitlock is the perfect guy. But I've seen a, I've seen a few talks about him potentially being a starter, um, which actually kind of doesn't really make sense to me. But, I mean, we have some names in the bullpen where I feel a little bit more comfortable than I did last year, especially of Michael Waka, who did, was good his first few seasons, didn't really live up to the pen- potential that he had. But I think that the fact that we didn't sign Ottavino back I was kind of, like, not happy about that. I feel like we could have got him for a good price. And when Matt Barnes crumbled last year, he was the guy that saved us in the ninth inning throughout the whole second half of the season and in the postseason as well. A big part of this Red Sox team is going to be the production that we get from our closer. And Matt Barnes, who was an all-star last year, was, I mean, borderline terrible (laughs) in the second half, I would say. he 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 blew almost every save. He, he had he, Yeah. Like, oh. He, he did. We don't I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, he did, though. He did. I, and sometimes. Even, I'm just kind of interrupting
3: you here, but even in the games that they were up, like five, six runs in the ninth inning, and they just brought him in for confidence, he would load the bases. He would put them in a bad spot, even up five, six runs. Every like. Time. I remember there was one game. I think it was against the Twins, where the Red Sox. I was at the game. the Red Sox were up like eleven to two, thirteen to two, and Barnes came in in the ninth inning, led in two runs and loaded the bases like. And everyone in the stadium was like, "Oh my god!" And this was when the Twins, I think, sat a few of their key players. And it's just, I hope. Bar- I think Barnes is having a pretty good spring training. Hopefully, that can translate into the actual season. But um if Barnes can actually be that closer and we can solidify a closer early in the year throughout the year, that makes this team so much more dangerous because you never really see a team without a closer, make it far in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I just wanted to say that Matt Barnes is going to be a key part to this team. If we don't sign anybody else and um, he's going to have to be the guy that we ha- have to rely on, in the ninth inning. He's proven to do it. He's been proven to do it. He's won a World Series as, I mean, I would call him our, our starter in 20 or not our starter, our closer in 2018 with Kimberl I think, like, usually Kimbrill would come in in the eighth, and then Maddie Backpacks would clean up in the ninth, or they'd reverse it. Like, he is a guy that can do it. So I'm just hoping that he, he bounces back off of, um, the, the bad last half season that he had and he can come in and we just need him to do enough. And sometimes we're going to need him to come in when we're up by a run and we're going to need it and he, he can do it. I know he can do it cause he's done it before and he's not, honestly, he's not really even that old. So the, the closer is going to be a big spot that we need to secure earlier in the season. If we want to, I mean, really make some noise in this AL East. Um, well, I don't know where, full 162-game season, around how many wins do you think we're going to end up getting? Just, just a little preseason prediction.
2: I'd say ceiling... 94. 94. Okay. Not a 100-win ball club. Stop. Stop I'll let I've, you... I feel like we can... I was going to say, I feel like we can be a 100-win ball club, but I just don't want to set the bar too high In my head yet because then i don't want to be fully disappointed if we don't have that like like in my head i fully believe that we are a hundred win ball club but i feel like 94 95 is a good area because we have to give and take what like our normal season happenings i feel like we always have to deal with an injury hopefully we don't have to deal with an injury i feel like we always have a shaky bullpen which is looking like we don't really have one but you never know like like we just talked about for the last like five minutes Barnes having halfway through the season had his like after halfway slump, like it, it can happen to anyone. Like we don't really know what the situation is looking like. We do have kind of a situation with JBJ with hitting there. So I don't really know how many games that will take away from us, but I feel like if we can put it together, we are a hundred win ball club.
3: I'm going to kind of agree with you. Will. Here, I don't think the ceiling, I think the ceiling's around 105 points. If I'm being honest, if everything clicks for this team, the ceiling is 105 wins. However, I think the floor is ninety wins. I think anywhere between those two that like you give or take like fifteen wins and losses in like slumps of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. However, I do think the Red Sox are still out there making moves. There are five pretty good outfielders, like corner outfields outfielders specifically, that I hope the Red Sox do sign. Two of those names being Tommy Pham and um, Michael Conforto. If they can bring either of those guys on to the roster, I strongly believe that we will be
2: 105 win ball If we sign one of those guys, I can guarantee you we will win 100 games this season. Yes. Without that corner outfielder, I like that's why I said like 95. Because like, I feel like if we did get 95 wins, I'm happy. I mean, there's no reason not to be if we get 95 wins. But I mean, like, if we know we can reach more, I feel like our potential is so much higher than 90 wins this year. It's just we really need to like lock it in
1: yeah so um in my article i gave a little 10 game range and this is based off if we don't sign anybody because i think it first off we we're, we need another pitcher in the bullpen um i i think we'll be fine not great but i think we'll be fine in our starting rotation and we definitely need someone to secure that right outfield or the right field position i think jbj can play games i don't think he is an everyday starter on a team that's looking to compete for AL championships and potentially World Series. I don't think he has that anymore. I mean, he's done it before, but he's really slowed down his hitting. His fielding is still there, but he just can't hit the ball the way that he used to. Um, I have them around a little 10-game range, 87 to 97 wins. Um, If we're going 15, that expands above 100. I think we should be floating by the end of the season around that 100-win range. 100 win column, and I think that like maybe like the second to last series we get it. Um, I don't think we're going to be a a good amount of games over 100. I think we if we are over 100, like we I don't think we'll get over like 107, 108. You want to know one of my one of my hot takes on
3: that corner outfielder? Ryan Fitzgerald is due for a call up. He's 27, a lefty bat. It plays in the outfield, like, or no, he's a, he's not. She's a, a shortstop. I'm
1: sorry, right? You can play in the outfield too. I think he's an he outfielder. Actually,
3: he, if he can make that major league jump, we are set. That is exact. We need a lefty, another lefty in this lineup because we lost <laughs> Kyle Schwarber. But Ryan Fitzgerald has shown a lot of pop in his bat during spring training. He tied the game today on the day of recording Wednesday, made it four to four with a three-on blast, and he hit one, I think, two days ago or yesterday. That was an absolute moonshot. So he's due for a call-up that I wouldn't be surprised if he makes
1: the jump up to the major leagues this year. Yeah, he's he's listed at shortstop, but I swear he was playing right field today. I swear he was playing right field today because <laughs> Xander was in. I Like, I... I, I don't know if I'm bugging. I might be bugging. But I swear he's playing right field today. Like, like a lot of those position yeah, players he, yeah, can he's actually play as a anywhere. Third, yeah, he's listed
3: third base, right field, shortstop. Those are his three positions. So he can play in right field. I knew field. it. I knew it.
1: And I think he played okay. there today.
3: Yes, he so, did. So, yeah. He I'm looks afraid.
1: good. You had me scared. He played now. both. In, yeah, he played third base field, and man. right field. Yeah. Yes. So, I, so, like, he's, he's a versatile. guy that's like – yeah, perfect. He's our next Brock Cole. Brock Cole got signed to somewhere. Where did he get signed?
3: Um. Oh wow. He got signed. It's not the Brewers, is it? No, he was just. No, there. no, because he was already on. the He was just shores. there.
1: Brock Cole. Where did he get signed? I. uh I. I like once oh, I heard oh, up his name, I was like, it. oh my god, he got signed. Is it did the Rangers? He get signed Rages to Rages again? Rages again? the no, Rangers again. The Braves. No, it's the Braves.
2: It's the
1: Braves. It's the Braves. The Braves. The, Braves. the Braves. It's 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 100% the Braves. Because, like, no, you know what? We shouldn't know that because he's not actually that good, but, like, he low-key is at the same time. Like, he's good. He, he can could, he could play any position. So, uh, the Brock star to the Braves makes them a title contender. I'm not even kidding. Um, I mean, they, they came off it last year, but no more Freddie Freeman. So, yeah, um, a couple extra things in the MLB. The Ghost Runner stayed back for the year. I think we all know how we feel about that. Um, Also, an expanded roster size uh, to 28, so 27. Uh, So, huge news. I actually like that. I like having another player in there. I think it should be 30. Um, I don't know why I think it should be 30. But, like, I think each team should be allowed to have a couple more guys uh, in and around the the major league uh, clubhouse. Um, but moving on to our last section Wait, of the day, unless you guys have rule. anything else okay. to Th- get
2: There's yeah. one more rule. That there was? Uh, the Otani rule. The Otani oh God, rule. The Otani rule. Oh, I've heard so right. um, a starting pitcher is allowed to play DH now with the universal DH after being taken out of the starting pitcher role.
1: That That, like, honestly, it makes sense, because why are we just going to, like, if there is more pitchers to come that can also hit, like, why not? Like, that would just be stupid to not let them still hit if they want yeah. to. Like, that should have Which honestly is- been the rule the whole time. It's like, you can yeah. put anybody in that last spot, like a pitcher or a hitter, we don't care. So, yeah, like, that makes sense. Um, solid rule. But anyways, moving on. Um, we have the Sweet 16 coming up, starting on Thursday, ending on Friday. Um, I'm thinking we go game by game. There's only eight games, and we just each say who we think is going to win. And, and then on next episode... We'll see how good we all did. So I don't know how you guys are feeling about that. You guys you are guys rocking with that? Yeah, let's do rapid really fire. Good about that. We, didn't, we talked about it a little more in depth, if you want to listen to that on Monday's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. Like, we're just going to go rapid fire to, to just get our, um, get our predictions in. So we're going to start off. We have Arkansas against Gonzaga. Will?
2: Um, I'm going to go Arkansas.
1: Arkansas. Stop.
3: Agree, Arkansas.
1: Oh, we all got Arkansas. So the Razorbacks are taking down Gonzaga. Beck Gonzaga. Next up, 11 Michigan, number two Villanova, Stav Villanova. Yes.
2: (laughs) Well? I did a lot of second-chance brackets. I picked Michigan in a couple, but I think I'm going to ride with Nova.
1: All right, looks like we're all going – with Villanova.
3: <laughs> if, if this continues to happen, that's a spread opposite of what we're all saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's facts. That's actually facts. Next up, I think we're all gonna actually maybe stop. might my disagree with us here. Um, Texas Tech versus Duke. Will Texas Tech <laughs> stop? Tech. <laughs> all, right, all right. We all have Texas Tech. Um. The Red Raiders. All right, to finish off our Thursday slate of games, this might this might actually be a little split here, maybe a little two-to-one split. We have number five, Houston, against number one, Arizona, Stav. I'm going to Houston.
2: Well, I'm also going to Houston. This is like okay, the one pick what?
1: that I've been riding. Okay. okay, you know what? You know what? I've been riding Houston. I love the American Conference as well. I'm gonna go Arizona. I'm gonna go Arizona. I'm being the Um I'm going Arizona. So that's gonna wrap up Thursday's games. We're going on to Friday. We have St. Peter's versus Purdue. Will give me St. Peter's.
2: St. Peter's.
3: Stop. I'm going. I have to go Purdue here. I. I love St. Peter's. I've explained why they could win on Monday, but I'm going Purdue.
1: I'm going to go – I'm going to go Purdue as well. Um, I've been riding with Purdue um, throughout the whole season. I think they have two great big great guard, Um, a couple of shooters on that team that can help them beat a tough 15 seed. Also, a 15 seed's never made the Elite Eight, so I, I just – I don't think this is the year that happens. Um, A good game here. We have the Friars from Providence against Kansas. Stav? You know, I got to go Kansas. They're my original pick to win it all.
2: I have to go Kansas because they were my pick to win it all, too.
1: Okay, and I'm also going to go Kansas because they were also my pick to win it all. Kansas is going to win it all, by the way. They're going to. And I'm not jinxing anything, though. I'm not a jinx guy. I don't, I don't jinx things, and you know that, Will. I can actually say whatever I want. I don't jinx things. Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, all right. Next game, uh, we got uh, number eight seed. I don't know why they're not a two, maybe a one. UNC um, going up against number four, um, UCLA. Will, <laughs> I don't know why I'm you. already know why I'm picking. Yep. Yeah, UNC, yeah, stop. I, I'm going
3: UNC. <laughs> is this going to be another clean sweep?
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is a clean sweep. UNC, it's not only that they're like an underdog. Like, I think they're better than UCLA, and we did talk about it more in depth in our last episode, mm-hmm. episode 113. Um, if you want to check that out on, you know, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, To finish off our Friday slate of games and to finish off, the Sweet 16 in 11 versus 10. Crazy matchup. Iowa State, the 11 seed against number 10, Miami, the Hurricanes. Stav? I'm going to you. I William? Got to arrive at the team.
2: Give me Iowa State.
1: Iowa State. Okay, a huge split. Iowa State, the Cyclones. I love the Cyclones. The Cyclones, Cyclones Iowa State. Miami, the Hurricanes, that's crazy. Iowa State's the Cyclones, right? Yes. Okay, all right. You know, because I said it, and then when I, when I said it, it actually didn't sound right. <laughs> so I got, I got a little nervous. Yeah, they are the Cyclones. I had to double-take that, but I knew it. I, I used to have a little Iowa State football. set said Cyclones on it. I'm going to go Miami. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Miami. Um, so that means me and Stav, Miami. Will you've got the Cyclones. A great, a great mascot matchup, by the way. Two natural disasters um, going at it this week Sixteen. Um, so <laughs> I think that's gonna wrap up this episode. A nice little quick one for you on Friday. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed. You'll, you should check out our Instagram as you listen to this on Friday. Me and Will are golfing, uh, unless Stav wants to come home from from school to golf with us on friday too um you'll be seeing our instagram story i'm going to put every single one of will's shots on our instagram story (laughs) to show you how good of a golfer he is oh that's so check that out inside the five pot inside the five pot pot. so follow it instagram twitter you're fake inside the five pot inside the five pot go check out my blog inside the 5.net check out star last blog inside the 5net.net net. we hope you guys enjoyed we'll see you guys next week
0: peace